Welcome, I'm Larry Olson, and what's on your mind? Once set, it delivers your life. To change the outcomes we want, we must change the plays we're running. Join us at Mindset Playbook with real people, real talk, for real insight. This episode is brought to you by the Brain Hack Power Pack Digital Course. It's a foundational course that gives you a kickstart into the world and practice of performance-driven neurology. Providing you with easy steps and strategies to create more success in your life with half the effort. It's offered at an affordable price, so get started today at LarryOlson.com backslash PowerPack. I want to welcome everybody to Mindset Playbook. Whereas you know, we look at the habits, the attitudes, the beliefs, and the expectations that drive our behavior, as well as the setbacks that can either hold us back or accelerate us forward. And my guest today is all about assisting us in breaking through what has once held us back. Cedric Bertelli is a recognized expert in emotional resolution a revolutionary approach to emotional healing that has transformed the lives of countless individuals. As the founder and director of the Emotional Health Institute, Cedric has dedicated his career to helping people overcome stress, anxiety, depression, PTSD, and other negative emotions, if any of you have ever experienced any of those, using powerful tools and techniques. Now, after a drastic career change, Cedric began his journey into emotional resolution in 2009, so almost 14 years ago, and in his home country of France. Since then, he has honed his expertise and developed a deep understanding of how emotions function in the human psyche. His work has touched the lives of people all over the world, and during our interview, yours as well. Welcome, Cedric, to Mindset Playbook. Hello, Larry. I'm very happy to be here, and thank you for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. I'm just, I got to tell you, I just love your accent. Well, thank you. You didn't do anything for that. Just happened <laughs> to be there. I know. Uh, it's, it's, it's very charming. Thank you. Mm. Um, Cedric. You know, life is filled with pain and frustration, and those that are experiencing it currently would love to rid themselves of it once and for all. But few believe it's possible or have tried before and failed. My first question for you, is it possible to resolve emotional difficulties? And if so, why don't we do it more often? Yeah. So it's a great question. The answer is yes, it's possible to resolve disruptive emotional pattern. Hmm. And I say disruptive emotional patterns, right? Because emotional resolution is not made to resolve any emotions. We're always going to have emotions. Uh, I guess the purpose of emotional resolution is to allow an individual to feel the emotions that are congruent with the current reality. Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. very often our disruptive emotional pattern are only reactions from from our past. They're not congruent with what's happening now. So uh-huh. yes, it's completely possible. And why don't we do it more often? 
I think because one of the reasons might be that very early on in our life, we learn to regulate our emotions through breathing, through techniques, through a, a huge battery of coping mechanisms. And the fact to regulate our emotion, to take control over our emotion, do not allow our body, our brain to resolve disruptive emotional pattern. Mm, mm. If you look at it, we are the only species, humans, and okay, domestic animals as well, and some form animals that hold on to trauma. All the mammals do not hold on to trauma so much. And one of the main reasons is we've learning, we learn very early on to control our emotions or our parents, teacher, try to control our emotions or the, our environment so we don't feel uh, hurt emotionally too much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when a, parent, when a parent says you shouldn't feel that way. That's right. Or don't feel that way. Where, where do we go with that? We, right. we, we squash it, but it's still held neurologically in a cell of a brain. And is it, isn't it true that, that when a situation triggers an old emotion, which is what I think you're saying when it's not congruent with the actual reality you're experiencing. Exactly. That emotion is as strong now as it was when we entered it into our brain. Yeah, you're going right into it, Larry. It's every disruptive emotional pattern is an outdated prediction from the brain. That's all it is. I love it. Outdated prediction. That's yeah. wonderful. One of the main job of our brain and he has a lot of jobs, but is to predict based on past situation, based on past experiences. It is fascinating to realize that we, we understand now, I mean, especially through the work of Lisa Feldman Barrett uh, from Boston, how the brain construct emotion. And we know that at the origin of any of our, dis of our disruptive emotional pattern is always the same type of event. There is what we can call a traumatic event. What is it? It's an instant that holds too much stress, physical or emotional, for us to take on at the moment when we live it. Mm. And what is fascinating is during this instant of trauma, we could say, there is a dissociation of the cognitive, of the cognitive brain. So basically, the subconscious takes over. Um, what you and I were aware of right now is about 2,000 bits of information per second process us at the speed of about 100 miles per hour. That's what we, we gather consciously. Subconsciously, in the same time, our subconscious gather 400 or has a capacity to gather 400 billion bits of information and to process it at the speed of 100,000 miles per hour. Hmm. Now, when we live, when we experience a moment of trauma, the conscious disconnect, we have an instant of dissociation and the subconscious takes over and gather a whole, a whole bunch of information that are captured by our five senses that are present during this instant of trauma. And the subconscious also recall the physical sensation that we feel at that very instant. Later on, when we are exposed to a situation in our greater environment, that hold one or several details that the brain recall being present of one of our past trauma, our subconscious is going to instantly generate the physical sensations 
that we are about to feel based on what was felt during that very specific instant of trauma. Those physical sensations, we call that interoception. Antonio Damasio called that somatic markers. Okay. Those physical sensations is what let us know that we feel an emotion. It's it, only, it tries uh, to convince us that it's real. That's absolutely correct. That's absolutely correct. It's predicting you are about to feel that. You are about to feel that in your body because it's what you felt the last time or the first time. <laughs> the first time that you were exposed to some of those stimuli. We want to thank our loyal listeners who have been with us for years and welcome all of you who are listening for the first time. Welcome. If you are looking for ways to support the show, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. On a personal note, in Larry's recording room at home, he has dozens of wonderful reviews left by all of you. It means the world to him. And now let's get back to Larry and his guest. Now, is this coming from the amygdala, the reptilian brain, or is it activating the amygdala? So um, I don't want to. I don't want to say something uh, that is mm, that is wrong, but and I don't have the source in my mind. But amygdala is actually it was it was seen for years, right? Especially for the work of Joseph Ledoux in NYU as uh, the center of fear. But now we see that amygdala is only triggered in seventy five percent of our disruptive emotional pattern. The whole um. the whole um, vision of the three brains. Is is outdated. They we know now that the whole brain, the whole brain is triggered in some way when we feel an emotional difficulty. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So it's it's uh, the whole paradigm change. And again, it's thanks to people like Damasio, Lisa Feldman Barrett, that really puts uh, like put things into a brand new perspective. Mm-hmm. So you talked about the fact that our brain is processing billions of bits per in, uh, bits of information a second i read somewhere where it's 30 trillion i mean it's it's beyond comprehension beyond comprehension right but the point is that it takes a half a second to a second and a half for us to consciously be aware that we already made our mind up i mean it's happening that fast that we're all almost going through life watching what already has taken place Yep, absolutely. In our lives. And this is where you brought up something that I want you to spend some time with us on. You talk about congruence, the the ability to be in alignment with. Mm -hmm. And you're saying that, and I agree with you, that we react from the past because it's protecting us to make sure that we continue to to survive as a species. It's innate. We really don't have a decision on that. Um, but what's happening is that we confuse the new situation with the old. Absolutely. If we don't have this conversation, we're not even confusing it. We're just reacting the old way. Right. So how does someone begin to become a, aware that when my wife is upset with me about something I didn't do or I didn't do the way I should have, I go back to the five-year-old who was shamed by my mother. Yes. And that emotion, without knowing it, comes up. And then I'm thinking, 
my wife is making me feel this way. Yeah. So how do you how do you help me um, be able to kind of take a time out and and begin to shift? You know, I'm not asking you to to give everything away here, but to to shift from the five year old to the adult that I am right now, and 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 have a, a more enjoyable or a more understanding experience from the new reality. Yes, it's a great question. And I think there is no miracle answer. I think it's about questioning ourselves. It's about having the will of question ourselves before blaming, because we're very good at finding reason why, right? My my wife is screaming at me. We have we are we are very good at finding reason why we should be upset or anxious or or whatever it is. I think it's start by questioning, questioning how how we feel and. And, and stop blaming, stop looking at what creates the fear or what creates the reaction, but taking responsibility for what we feel. Mm. Before putting our poison, our poison out, you know, often people come to see me with anger and say that, well, anger is, 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 is a good thing. No, no, anger is not a good thing because you, you're putting your poison out there. It's, it's, before putting your poison out or blaming, get in, feel the emotion within you, be intimate with the emotion. Uh, and 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 uh, I mean, there's nothing to hide in my work, so to speak, because it's 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 uh, it's very it's very uh, uh, simple and natural. When when when, for example, your wife is is saying something and you feel hurt and you feel like you felt maybe when you were five years old. Mm-hmm. Well, what you can do right here and right then is to stop, don't respond, close your eyes, feel the sensations in your body. Feel this interoception, feel these somatic markers. And here, when you feel this physical sensation, it's pretty amazing to think that these sensations you felt in you maybe 40, 50 years ago, the very same sensations. It's like a vortex opening time. <laughs> so now feel what's going on in you, feel these sensations. And at this point, that's, uh, that's why, uh, uh, to answer your first question, why we don't resolve emotion more often, because when you're upset, well, you scream, or you're going to argue, or you put it down and you go on social media or whatever. No, no. If we want to resolve disruptive emotional pattern, we've got to let the prediction, the sensorial, the interoceptive prediction playing out until the end without any type of control. That's the secret of the work. So mm-hmm. when you feel the emotion, when you feel the anger, it doesn't matter why, and it doesn't matter where it's come from. It does not, it does not matter where the emotion comes from, actually. You feel the sensations in your body. It's important to feel at least two sensations at once. If not, your mind is going to run. If your mind is going to run, it's going to be another way to control. So it's important to feel two physical sensations at once. And at this point, to feel the sensations as they change in your body. So that that requires attention. Because if you don't give your full attention, again, your mind is going to go out. Full attention in feeling how this interoceptive prediction is playing out inside of you. So you said feel two emotion. Give us an example of what you mean by that. Two sensations. For example, I got a block in my throat and a pit in my stomach. Okay. And that's going to evolve into maybe a little nausea and pressure on my head. So I need to be attentive to what's going on in the body. The physical sensations will change. They will shift, and they will shift in between two seconds and 90 seconds, nine zero, never more. Mm, okay. 
Okay. If you do not um, interfere with them. Gotcha. So the key is to be able to let the sensations play out in the body in a safe environment without impacting them whatsoever through your thoughts or through any kind of physical activity. Now, you, now, you, now let's say we're in, in the living room and there is an argument. Yes. You and your spouse. Are you saying leave? You said in a safe environment. Yes. Because that sends another message that there you go walking away again instead of dealing with it. So Great is there point. some sharing before yes. about, hey, I've learned this, and if this happens and you see me walk away, this is why? For a couple, for parents, absolutely. It's one of the first things we teach with parents. The first thing we teach with parents, you know, they come to see us to learn how to do that with their kids. And we said, the first thing you're going to learn is to do it on yourself and mm -hmm. to, sh you know, to, to walk the talk, right? To right. let your kids know what you're doing. And yes, in order for you to, in order for the resolution to happen, you need to feel safe. So take responsibility and, and maybe say, I hear what you're saying and I am, I am really triggered right now. Let me take care of that. And then I come back in conversation with you. Okay. Because anyway, you know, if we, if we talk from, Tension to tension, no one is hearing the other one. We are thinking already about what we're going to say while the other one is speaking. It, that's why it's never going anywhere. So yeah, you're right. Yeah. Remove yourself after communicating. Take responsibility for what's happening inside. Resolve it and then go back in conversation. Okay. Okay. Um, one thing that some are aware of and, and many are not is they've heard the old adage when you're angry count to 10. now from a neurological perspective what my understanding is and i want you to to help me with this is that the the reptilian brain is taken over which immediately shuts down the cerebral cortex and the cerebral cortex is or the frontal lobes is where we're able to make decisions and 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 that's why, you know, if you're walking down the street having a conversation, everything's fine. But then you step off the curb and you see a big truck coming at 60 miles an hour. If you stop to ask yourself, will this hit me? <laughs> You'd be dead. Mm -hmm. So the amygdala takes over. You leap off the curb. And then it takes a moment for you to be rational again. Yeah. So is that is that what we're doing by kind of extracting ourselves for a moment away from it is to just be able to bring the frontal lobes back into play so we can reason again? Um, or is that part of it? It's it's it might be part of it, but it's mostly it's mostly because it's important for the body to feel in a safe environment as the prediction plays out until the end. Okay. Okay. And because um. Uh, you see, the key is at the end of the prediction, like within those 90 seconds, two to 90 seconds, at the end of the prediction, the brain is anticipating to be hit with some kind of danger. But at the end of the prediction, if you're in the toilet, if you're in presence of a, a practitioner, or if, if you're at home, at the end of the prediction, you're safe and sound. Nothing is happening. Mm. From that very mm. second, mm. the emotion is updated forever. Forever. Whoa. Because, wow. you know, we, we, we update prediction constantly in our life, except okay. when we are under stress. This doesn't, doesn't work. 
you know, if I go, uh, if I go buy some ice cream, for example, and there's a new store, there's a batches, batches of ice cream, but there's no label. Um, and I go to this new store and there is a pink ice cream, green ice cream, brown ice cream, and I love strawberry ice cream, raspberry ice cream. So I take some of the, the pink batch. Assuming that it's strawberry, I come out, I take a, a bite of it. And as soon as I put it in my mouth, it tastes like smoked salmon. I mean, how many bites do you think I need to know forever until I'm proved wrong that in this specific store, not all over the world, in this specific store, the pink batch is smoked salmon. It took me one second and forever until I'm proved wrong. Mm. This is updated in my brain. Wow. And I learned from this experience. I've learned that if I go into another store and there is no labels, I will ask first because I don't want the same experience. True. So I updated my prediction forever within a second and I can apply that to the rest of my life. So resolving an emotional difficulty, Larry, take a matter of seconds when it's done properly. Mm, mm, mm. It's just about updating prediction. Instead of throwing gasoline on it or That's letting right. it burn out. That's right. Wow. wow. And every time we control, every time we even think, oh, it's going to be okay. Every time we take a breath, every time we, uh, we use maybe alcohol, we're maintaining the loop Then there is a danger. So the prediction is going to keep on coming back, as you said earlier, to protect us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But it's not congruent. No, no, no. Wow, that is, that is just uh, fascinating. Um, so how, if you're dealing with someone who, how do you begin? How does someone in their own mind um, give this a shot, try this out? Um, without having the opportunity yet to, you know, get in touch with you. And, and I want you to, I want you to be able to have them get in touch with you. And for those of you that have just joined us, um, we're talking with Cedric Bertelli, who is a phenomenon in the sense of being able to take the old emotion that's brought on through shame or anger or fear or whatever and take you through an exercise where you're able to eliminate it for the rest of your life because more often than not, it's inappropriate for the new situation you're in. Yeah, correct. And like I mentioned, if if my mom ashamed me at five and then my wife is upset with me in an evening 40 years later, that emotion is still there. And if I try to swallow it or drink it away or run away i haven't done anything about it other than allow it to be strong and come up the next time so those that are curious as heck to um to find out for themselves i certainly want them to be able to figure out how to get a hold of you because it sounds like it would be a wonderful adventure that'll absolutely change their life what would you suggest that the layman uh, that doesn't have all the knowledge can do when they get into a situation where here I go again, I'm getting angry. Uh, I know that I'm about to open my mouth and it's going to be something that I wish I hadn't said. But in spite of that, we still go ahead. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's exactly as we shared earlier. It's, it's like the hero journey, right? You've got to enter the monster in order to slay it. 
Mm. So when mm. you feel when you feel these tensions building in your body, when you feel like you're gonna say something, or you're going to maybe uh, use alcohol to calm down because it's too much, or I don't know, smoke marijuana, or whatever, whatever we do, you know, it's like you feel it. Okay, you have to build up the courage to get in, like become intimate with it for the first time. Go in a place where you feel safe. It can be the bathroom. It can be outside. Close your eyes, and now feel the sensations in your body intensely in the sense that do not let your mind escape do not try to take a breath no 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 no. feel the sensation become intimate with the sensations in your body you will notice two sensations at once you will notice and this sensation do not stay static often they increase in tension they change place in the body i don't have any proof of that but my understanding is that those tension are stored in the fascia mm, in the okay. fascia of the body and it based on what happened very early on, it's like it's a memory store in the fascia. You feel the sensations as they change in your body. The sensations might become a bit stronger. It's okay. It's completely safe. These sensations are not new. They've been in you for maybe 40 years. Just now, you pay attention to it and you do not calm them down. You mm -hmm. feel the sensations until they come down by themselves. When they come down by themselves, open your eyes. And if you want to verify if it's resolved, think again about what your wife just said, for example, and notice your reaction and then go on with your life. But mm. it's really about taking the time to be intimate, enter the monster, enter the, 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 enter the emotion physically. Mm. You know what it, it kind of reminds me of? And that, that's a great insight. It reminds me of when you've got a sick child and they're about to throw up. You don't put your hand over their mouth and tell them no. You immediately take them to the toilet and you put your hand over their head. You encourage it. You, you, you wait until they are done because until the toxicity is out of the system, they're going to throw up again. They're not, they're not going to be cured. So is that similar yeah, to, to what you're sharing? Let that emotion run its course and find out there is no Bengal tiger it's going to rip me to shreds. That's right. It's taken, taken millions of years to be able to evolve to the point where we need that emotion to stay alive. Yeah. But then it Ab becomes inappropriate is what you're saying. Absolutely. And, and you know, the more we're going to resolve the, those um, non-congruent pattern, the more we're going to feel the emotions that are actually held by what we're living right now. That means like, um, let's say let's say that we meet you and I, and there is something about about your physique that remind me of a teacher or a, a uncle, something like this. And you are the you know the, you're the greatest guy, but because of something, maybe a smell that I'm not even aware of, or I'm, that's gonna create tension in me. Mm. And I'm gonna say, well, this Larry guy, I don't know about it, I have a bad feeling. It, it has nothing to do with you. It's just because my body reacted to something from your body, nothing to for you, nothing to do with you. So it's questioning everything, even that. What is it with Larry? I don't know. Feel the sensations in your body. Resolve it so you can actually enjoy relationships as well in a very different way. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. Or yeah. social settings. You know, I don't like social settings. I'm stressed. And you can find thousands of reasons why you don't want to be social. But the fact is, well, when you go into a social setting, you're tense. You're not, you're, you're not yourself. To question that. It's not about the people. It's about something in you that is triggered. Your body is afraid. 
I'm sure he has some good reason to be afraid. They're not congruent today. Stop and be intimate with your fear. Let it play out until the end and then get into the room and, and feel the room for what it really is. Mm-hmm. You know, you just resolved a lot of, a lot of, it created a lot of understanding for people who don't look forward to holidays. And if you find out why they don't look forward to holidays, it's because someone's going to be there. And it's that someone that they believe has wronged them or wronged somebody else, or they're annoying, or they're always picking their nose, or they're something. And and whenever they see them, needless to say, that triggers that emotion. So this is what I find fascinating about us. We Most of us would rather be right than successful. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I knew, you know, I knew I wouldn't get along. Or what if you, your example of a smell you got from me reminded me of you of some old teacher you didn't like. You're looking now, your brain is only looking for more information that I do that says you're right. That's you're right. not I'm looking gonna, for, yep. for what's wonderful about me, correct? No, no I'm, I'm going to find a list of things that, that are wrong with you. Because as you said, I want to be right. You know, and now I'm building a belief based on some just primal tension that I felt for absolutely no, no real reason. Yeah. 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 And I think the epitome of this is someone who's can't even leave their home. They become so fearful um, that everything triggers it. And, and you're, and and when you begin to understand what you're sharing it's in it's it's life-changing it's transformative um and so what what triggered you to get into this line of work to begin with um i think it's uh two uh three main factors i think yeah number one i was dealing with a lot of anxiety and self um directed anger uh, during my first career, I used to work for the Ritz-Carlton. I was director of restaurants for them at the Ritz-Carlton hotels. So that my, my own, my own stuff, my own anxiety. Number two is uh, managing people. I, I had the opportunity to manage a lot of people and you don't really manage people. You manage their emotions. So you've got okay. to learn them. You've got to learn with who they like to work, what kind of events they like what kind of guests they go along. And so once you understand kind of like their emotional paradigm, then you can put them in in situation where they're going to thrive. So you don't really manage people, you manage their emotions. Mm, good point. And that's, that, that became fascinating in my job. And number three is my grandfather. My grandfather just turned 100 in, uh, in June and he is a World War II uh, veteran, resistant veteran. And I was... When I started to, to become interested in emotion, I was fascinated to see how him and a lot of men from his generation were resilient in their life after World War II, you know, and mm-hmm. how they, they mm-hmm. how can I say that, how they, they, they deal with the trauma in a very different way than our soldiers, for example, deal with their trauma nowadays. Mm-hmm. And, and also, and, and so I started to asking questions and noticing, and I noticed that a main thing for my grandfather and people from his generation is after war, they spend a lot of time within themselves, people from similar histories in nature, 
My grandfather was a lumberjack, so working in the woods with men from a, with a similar experience and with the goal to, um, to provide for their family. And, and they, never, they never spoke about the war. You know, they only sometimes I remember my grandpa when he was still living at home, talking to all the men of his age. Nowadays, I mean, he's the only one left in the in the village at his age. Gotcha, sure. But it, it, it was just like, do you remember? Mm. And the, yeah, that's it. No, nothing else. Like, you know, and in this within this, do you remember there's something that's happening? Some kind of, um, you know, it, it's almost like an homeostasis happening. It's a common history. So it was fascinating for me to see that this a lot of men from this generation who share this, um, this experience of being together in nature with a purpose, their sense of resilience or the way they became resilient is very different from the way that we are resilient nowadays, people from my generation, uh, etc. Mm. So uh, it, I knew that it was a way, a natural, so to speak, I don't like to use the word natural so much, but for lack of better word, a natural way for us to be resilient. Hmm. Hmm. So we have to try, we have to stop trying to heal constantly. My grandpa never tried to heal. He didn't go to hmm. Tony Robbins. He didn't go to, uh, uh, to psychologist. No, it, it just happened hmm. by hmm. way of life. I was saying. Yeah. So what is this, what was this um, tragic career change? Was that from the Ritz-Carlton? To what I'm doing now. To yeah. what you're doing now, yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> I don't know if it's tragic, but it's 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 uh, different. It's different. Well, let's different. see. What what did you you drastic drastic? drastic. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> you know, I, I what comes to mind with World War II and Vietnam and you know and and Iraq and whatnot is is they were heroes when they came home from World War II, yeah, and loved by their country, and they were despised in uh, vietnam and because we ended up you know with so much media we got so much information about whether the war was right or wrong that we lost Training. sight of the people that were giving their lives up yeah to keep our freedom and it's unfortunate but i i would imagine that that is more difficult because you got two traumas now the trauma yeah. of experiencing the war and the trauma of not being accepted back into society yeah, and that's 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 a part of the environment. You're right. Like in yeah, in 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 Europe or even in the US, when you came back from World War II, when you resisted, when you fought, yeah, you're a hero. So that's also a supportive environment. Yeah. But if you come back home and you don't know why you fought, and then you put people put guilt upon you and shame, and then and and, and and I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a good lesson for all of us is to is is what you mentioned earlier. And you know, our society is is dragging itself into understanding what it is to be mindful. And and I'm not talking about mindfulness or any craze that's going on about being the moment. But I'm what I'm hearing you talk about is 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 understand that the moments can be new and adventurous. They don't have to be triggers to allow us to no longer experience the adventure, but go back to protecting ourselves from past trauma. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's, it, it takes the joy out of people because they wake up and the first thing they get an emotion. I got to do this today or, Anxiety. you know, Bill's yep. going to be at work when I get there or God, the kids aren't going to you know, be ready to go to school or whatever it may be. So 
You know, I, time, unfortunately, when things are as fascinating as they are here with discussion with you, um, I would like you to kind of sh- segue from all these triggers that that people have in their lives that cause them t- to already come with anticipation of how that event's going to be. Yeah. What should they do? And then secondly, how do they go about getting a hold of you? Mm-hmm. So uh, what should they do? I'm going to repeat myself, but because it's, because it's so simple and people, do not, people rather often suffer on a daily basis repeatedly instead of, instead of stopping, stop, stop for a second. You, you wake up anxious. You wake up anxious because Peter is going to be at work. With, like, stop, stop, slow down. It's your life. You only have one. So you can be a rat in the wheel or you can stop and feel this anxiety. Feel it. It's going to take you 90 seconds. What do I mean? Feel it. Yeah. No, no. Pragmatically, what makes you say that you're anxious? Where are the tensions in your body? Find two and just be patient. Be patient, but be attentive, intensely attentive to what's happening in your body. Because again, if you think about Peter, if you think about the kids, no, no, mm. no, no. Mm-hmm. Your mind is going to go away and that's not going to work. You need to be intensely attentive to what's going on within the body while the sensations are changing. And then once they come down, go on with your life until you find a new, <laughs> a new anxiety and you have time to do it again. <laughs> and it's, it's really questioning. Do not take any anxiety or any fear for granted. It doesn't, I often tell my, my clients, you know, they come to, to heal trauma and I tell them, I, I can't heal trauma. No one can't heal, can heal trauma. That sounds good, but trauma happened. It happened. Yeah. What can yeah. I do now? Yeah. Yeah. I can only acknowledge that I created some wounds and you can resolve those wounds. Well, you know, you, you beautifully stated it. Um, when you think of fear as F-E-A-R, you know, the acronym for um, false evidence appearing real, mm. you know, I like it to face everything and recover. Beautiful. And and that's what you said about the dragon and that the mythology. You you get into the dragon and kill it from the inside. And what you're saying is, well, you're in there, you know, check the stomach out, take a look at the intestines, you know, see the see the thing, the the lungs expanding and closing, because you're inside of it now. You're not wondering, is it gonna kill me? How long do I have to be in here? Am I gonna feel like this for the rest of my life? You know. What you're saying to us and what you've discovered is almost within 90 seconds, it's run out of gas. It's run out of energy, but you fuel it if while you're in there, you're continuing to think about how it's going to be with. Yeah. Because now all you're doing is feeding it. That's right. So it sounds like the discipline is to really own it and take it for a ride. You know, like a, sometimes it feels like a rapid, yeah. but you paid good, good money to take that trip to get into those rapids. So buckle up and and allow because they'll calm down. That's right. That's right. right. And 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 uh, to go back to the to this metaphor a little bit, like we often ride the wave of the emotion. We ride the anger, so we scream. Uh-huh. We ride the anxiety. No, 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 no. You can ride all you want. Get inside. Feel the currents that create that wave. Uh-huh. Feel it. It's inside. Just like for uh, here in California, we have Maverick, right? Those huge, just huge waves. Those waves are not created by the wind mostly. They're created by currents underneath. 
Same thing here. Stop riding your wave. Get in. Feel the current within you that create this emotion and feel it. Become this current. It's going to take you 90 seconds maximum. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. That, how, do, how do we get a hold of you? Uh, you can go to my website, cedricbertelli.com, or you can go to emotionalhealthinstitute.org. And all of those will be on the on the podcast. But I want you to, his name is spelled C-E-D-R-C, Cedric, Bertelli, B-E-R-T-E-L-L-I. And I apologize if I didn't do a great pronunciation on that. Great. But you have been a joy, my friend. And um, what wonderfully refreshing approach um, to be able to, because I would say probably 99% of us are trying to get rid of it, not not go through it. Yeah, And absolutely. like you said, ride the wave. And so we buy all these amazing tools like surfboards, you know, or, or alcohol or go to a movie or, you know, and all of those, none of those are wrong if no. you're doing it for the right reasons. And so um, you've been, you've been absolutely fascinating. And, and I, I want to thank all of our listeners with all the choices they had. And, and if you, those of you who really want to find this out for yourself, make sure you get in contact with him. And if you need some evidence as to wh whether this works for you, give it a shot. Yes. And, and then if you want to really get good at it, reach out to Cedric. And um, because he just gave us a tip of the iceberg in the time that we had together today. But boy, I'm telling you, it's such a beautiful tip. It's worth exploring the rest of it. Thank so you, again, thank you and thank all of you and have a great rest of your experience in this thing called life. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, we ask that you please subscribe and share with your friends and associates. Would there be any value if everyone in an organization and team were all bringing out the best in each other while working for a common goal? Larry's guest today is a master at assisting people and organizations in getting things done. In other words, she gets people from where they are now to where they want to be. Angela Johnson is a certified scrum trainer, agile guide, and founder of Collaborative Leadership Team. In this episode, we are going to find out what Scrum is, why it matters, and how it can influence your personal as well as professional lives.